Sports Talk with Buhle Madulini. Right, uh, let's move on to some tennis news now. And I'm going to be talking to Peter Stemmett. You you might uh, know him pretty well if you've been a, a fan of, well, news channels. And generally, if you're a 702 listener you or a Cape Talk listener, you are somebody that is glued to the news channels as well. Now, he's been in television for more than eight years. He's currently a sports presenter at uh, Al Jazeera in Doha. That is where he's based. But you would have seen him on channels like ENCA um, as well as ANN7 and the E! News channel. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for coming on to Sports Talk. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, the pleasure is all mine, Bukle. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Look, we're talking uh, tennis, uh, Peter, and of course, COVID-19 has thrown everything into shambles, but we've, we've seen a return to action in some parts of the world. Um, understandably, there was the Battle of the Bricks exhibition tournament that took place at the Lawn Tennis Association I mean, um, during the weekend. Andy Murray He's made his return, his comeback into tennis, but he did pull out eventually before he could get all the way through to the finals. Yeah, I mean, Andy Murray has uh, had injury problems as well over the last sort of year and a half. Remember, uh, before last year's Australian Open, he actually announced that he was going to retire and that last year's Wimbledon uh, supposedly was going to be the end of his career. But as we know, ever since then, he's been prolonging, I suppose, what is the inevitable. But, you know, it's good to see one of um, one of the sport's great athletes um, still competing. However, I, I have to wonder just how much of him not partaking in the remainder of this particular tournament has to do with COVID-19 versus his actual injury problems, mm. which as I have said it has been going on for a long period of time so you know i'm not trying to discredit his his reasons but as i say there there is that lingering doubt uh, there's also, you know, the concerns that he's raised about the revised ATP calendar, um, especially seeing that there are still two Grand Slams that uh, the ATP still wants to have, and the one will be the US Open and then Roland Garros, uh, only a fortnight apart as well. Uh, what kind of concerns does Murray have with those two uh, tournaments in particular? Yeah, I think Murray's uh, concerns are valid. Let me let me say that much. I think they are valid. Um, it's obviously to do with things like social distancing, uh, things to do with players coming into contact with each other. Uh, we know that there won't be any fans at the US Open. That's already been announced. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure what Roland Garros has decided, if they have actually made a, a final decision as to whether there'll be fans or not. Uh, my guess would be that there wouldn't be anyway. In fact, uh, any of these... Uh, seven tournaments that have been um, put on the calendar uh, to be held in consecutive weeks. I, I, I can't see fans being at any of them anyway. Uh, and I think, again, I think that Murray makes a fair point. It's, it is a concern, especially, like let's be honest, the United States, uh, in terms of uh, infection numbers and, and rates, yeah. uh, it's right up there as, as one of the worst, uh, worst affected in the entire world. So if you're going to be in New York for the U.S. Open, do you really want to be somewhere else in the United States the week before that mm. or be potentially Europe, you know, shortly after that? And then you just create an, a, a bigger problem with, with things like infections. And I, look, I, I'm no health expert. I'm not a doctor or, or, or certainly I'm, I'm not even an, an amateur follower of, of medical matters. So, you know, I, I'll be the last person to give any kind of uh, prediction on on infection rates and COVID-19. But, you know, the the numbers are out there. The data is there for all to see. And um, 
we've got practical uh, examples of, of what has taken place and what has happened. So, you know, a little bit of common sense. And as I say, Murray has valid concerns, but at the same time, there will be players who will decide otherwise. And I think that we should respect that. It, every player needs to make their own decision and decide what's best for them. And, uh, you know, if Murray decides that it's not in his best interest to play the U.S. Open, then so be it. I mean, we've had fa- um, players who have slammed the U.S. Open's decision to not have fans. And I, you know, I've tried to kind of get my, my, my thinking around that, to wrap my brain around that. Why on earth would you want to expose yourself like that? Uh, have you heard any worthwhile reasons as to why these players do not want to play the U.S. Open behind closed doors? Uh, to be honest with you, I think that uh, you, you, you're spot on there with, with, with everything that you've mentioned in, in, in the question. Uh, you know, again, the United States has got, a, has got you know, horrible numbers when it comes to infections and, and infection rates. And the, the bottom line is that the USTA, who runs the US Open, they have to make what they deem the best decision in the interests of the players, the match officials, spectators, sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. So they've obviously decided that they want to go ahead and have a U.S. Open this year, as has Roland Garros. Wimbledon, we know, has been cancelled. And now decided that, obviously, it's not a good idea to have fans in the stadium. And, you know, if, if you look at what happened with Novak Djokovic's, uh, t- uh, you know, tour that, that only lasted, I think, two weekends, one, one event in Belgrade, the other in, um, in Croatia, in Zagreb, uh, you, you look at what happened there. And, and don't forget that in Serbia in particular, the government there actually opened up and allowed spectators to come to sport. Mm. So I know Djokovic has been blasted for, 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 for what he did, but the reality is that he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything illegal. Fans were allowed to go to the stadium, and that's why he, ha- um, why he had that event there. Now, in the United States, they've obviously thought differently. They haven't got those kind of rules. They haven't opened up stadiums for fans to come back. And, you know, quite frankly, if you want to have a U.S. Open, in my opinion, I think that you should have fans there and if it's not safe to have fans there, it takes away so much from, from the atmosphere uh, that, you know, why, why have it at all then? Why not just cancel it for this year, right off 2020 and say, all right, we'll come back in 2021 and try again? Exactly. I mean, you know, you, you get the sense with essentially all the sports that's come back uh, during this coronavirus pandemic um, that it's all about the money. It's all about the paper. And, and no doubt with Novak Djokovic, that was one of the reasons why he decided to have this tour that essentially shocked the world because we were going, whoa, wait, what are you doing? Um, but hey, <laughs> he went on with it. He did. Uh, listen, just one thing, just in defense of Djokovic, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to, to uh, sugarcoat what he did and, and, and what happened, but, you know, hindsight is, is, is an exact science, and obviously right now he looks really bad. But just, just one point. Firstly, the, Djokovic's Adria tour, the, the, the proceeds that uh, were um, generated from that were meant to go to charity. So, so let, let, let's not just say that this is purely commercial and mm. it's all for money. It was actually for charity. Um, and obviously the players uh, would have got some kind of appearance fee. So, let, so that's also true. But again, it, it wasn't necessarily just for money. It, it was for charity in his defense. And then again, if I can just say again, that the reality is that the Serbian government has opened up sports stadiums for fans to go and attend. So, 
yes, it looks really bad right now with Djokovic obviously getting infected. He's coach Goran Ivanisevic. Uh, I know Borna Choric was one of the players. I think that they, they were, Grigor Dimitrov was another one. There were quite a few. Mm. Um, so obviously really, really bad right now in hindsight. Uh, but don't forget that about, I think it was two days or two nights before um, Djokovic and his, and his players um, uh, arrived in Belgrade for, for that event, um, Partizan Belgrade and Red Star Belgrade played, played a derby match and I think there were 40,000 fans in the stadium. So I, I don't, I, I'm unable to tell you how many of those people have uh, contracted COVID-19, if any. Mm. Uh, you would think that, that there probably were infections as a result. But, you know, let, let's just bear that in mind as well. I think uh, another thing that, that you know, made waves was Jocko's initial stance on, um, on uh, what's this thing? Uh, the term just escapes me on vaccinations and you know he didn't really mm-hmm. talk about it in terms of just coronavirus but it was vaccinations in general uh and then he went and and, and contracted coronavirus um after he had obviously backtracked on what he had said uh but he, along with him Grigor Dimitrov uh, Borna Toric uh, Troike as well all returned positive and what does that do now when you look at the possibility of you know the seven seven and seven the seven tournaments in seven weeks that the ATP are, are, are looking at uh, holding. Yeah, it raises all sorts of questions. Uh, you know, how did it come about that Djokovic and, and, and the other players that we mentioned, how, how did it come about that they contracted uh, COVID-19? Is it because there were a few thousand fans in the stadium? Uh, is it because they had it with, you know, one of them had it or one of their team members had it and obviously they were they were mingling? I know that there were stories of having parties in the evening and, and this sort of thing. So, you know, again, it doesn't look very good in hindsight. Um, there's going to be a recovery period. And look, September is, you know, at least two months away. Yeah. I mean, depending on how you want to look at it, you could say it's three months away. But let's just say there's at least two months before uh, these players need to be in action at the U.S. Open. <sighs> again, it, 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 in my opinion, it asks more questions than what it answers and if you look at, at football, again, I mean, we've seen the Premier League is back, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, um, but, you know, these leagues have all come back. Behind closed doors, there's no fans. Um, even in the other uh, American sports, Major League Baseball is, is actually trying to, to get something going so that they can start again in July. Um, but that's not turning out so well because players left, right and centre are testing positive mm. for COVID-19 NBA. Uh, they are also trying to get started again. They've they've tried to create a little bubble for themselves um, in Orlando, uh, Florida, at uh, Disney World. So everyone will just be based there. Uh, but what happens when somebody uh, you know contracts COVID nineteen? You, you know, if all goes well, nobody contracts COVID nineteen. But you know, what are the chances of that happening? You know, you have to factor these things in. So. Right, we're going to go ahead, we're going to have a US Open, but already people like Djokovic and, and Rafa Nadal have questioned whether or not they would actually travel to the States to go and take part in this. So, you know, it could be a watered-down tournament, perhaps. Maybe, you know, Roger Federer won't be there. He's injured. He's not playing for the rest of the year anyway. Um, so it makes no difference to, to, to him and his statistics. But maybe it's an opportunity uh, for someone like uh, like Andy Murray to actually win another major or whoever is, is taking part. It could be an opportunity for them. But again, you know, more questions than answers. And 
my take is I would have just personally, I would have cancelled it and just said, let's try again in 2021. Yeah, it could be an opportunity for the next generation, such as uh, Zverev, to get their hands on uh, some Grand Slam silverware. Uh, let's quickly talk about the fact that the US Open uh, will not be having a wheelchair uh, tennis tournament. It will just be the able-bodied um, athletes that will be taking part. Uh, decision slammed by plenty of, of tennis, uh, wheelchair tennis players uh, and uh, associations and bodies alike. Yeah, that's actually changed. Um, there's some some new information on that uh, because that, that was what happened originally, uh, that they announced that there would be no um, wheelchair tennis. Um, but the, the world number one in, in quads, uh, Dylan Alcott, uh, I think uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's British. Um, he, uh, you know, had a had a little social media campaign, uh, you know, asking what more must he do. He's the defending champion, he's world number one, uh, and um, the USTA actually reversed their decision, uh, and so wheelchair tennis will be taking place at Flushing Meadows after all. Uh, and you know, again, if you ask me, if you're going to do it, you should do it properly. So mm. this half half approach is something that I I disagree with you. You either do it properly or you don't do it at all. And okay, fine. If they're going to say they're not going to have fans, you know, in my opinion, that's not doing it properly. But if we can still have a decent tournament, then okay, fine, let's go ahead uh, and do that. But to just water it down, firstly, by not having fans, and then secondly, saying we're not going to have wheelchair tennis, you know, that that to me, that's nonsense. So so it's a welcome decision and a welcome change that, you um, uh, the likes of Alcott and uh, and others will indeed uh, have their opportunity. I mean, you mentioned something a little bit earlier on that, um, look, maybe they should have just decided to scrap the entire uh, 2020 season um, and maybe just place, you know, exhibition matches, raise funds for COVID-impacted regions and people and players uh, instead of actually trying to revive the season. Um, has any tournament official or any official in that space mentioned something along those lines that perhaps we should just look at the goodwill of people instead of look at trying to revive the tennis season that has already been uh, lost? If someone has said that, uh, I'm not aware of it, and that shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, look, the bottom line is, again, I mean, you mentioned it earlier about it being about money, and you know, at the end of the day, it is about money. Um, there are so many commercial interests at stake here. Um, players, obviously match officials, fans, but sponsors and TV rights. You know, the, the, the TV companies want tournaments to put on the TV for people to watch uh, and then they can sell advertising. That's that's how sport uh, runs. That, that That is how it works. You know, people will often talk about uh, you know the, the the sort of sometimes the glory or the honor of 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 the old days when it, it was gentlemen and ladies that competed. You know what? Uh, those days are long gone, and they're not coming back. Um, and quite frankly, um, if you look at what commercialism uh, has done for sport, I mean, obviously there's positives and negatives. But on the positive side. Um, it means that athletes are more professional than they've ever been before. And because they're more professional than they've ever been, been before, training regimes are better, diets are better, skill levels have improved. And the reality is, uh, if you ask me anyway, if Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, probably the guy ranked 100 in, 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 in the world right now, if he had to take on a, uh, someone like Fred Perry in the 1930s, I have no doubt that he would demolish him. And I know a lot of people wouldn't like to hear that uh, and argue that it's that, that, that it's impossible to make that comparison. And maybe it is because you can't really compare eras. But if you look at how people were training and eating in the 1930s, I can't see how a player from that era would have any chance against somebody from 2020. Um, 
anyway, I, I, I'm kind of uh, getting off, off the point a little bit here. But yeah, I, I think uh, what you've mentioned there is, is is a good idea. Charity events, you know, they, it, it does make more sense. And again, that is actually what Djokovic was trying to achieve. Um, just as we as we now know, um, it, it didn't work out so well. Unfortunately not. Uh, Peter Stemmer, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, Bootley, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.